for checking out this message from Spring Mountain. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, swimmountcf.co.uk. Or join us every Sunday from 11am at Abbey Road in Barrow and Furness. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, then please email prayer at springmountcf.co.uk. Let me ask you a question. What is your guilty pleasure? Okay. Chocolate straight away. What is your guilty pleasure? Anyone else other than chocolate? James Blunt. Stephen likes Take That, don't you, Stephen? Stephen Pacey went to see Take That. At least he wasn't the Spice Girls. We'll come to them in a minute. Um, Anything else? Anyone else? You, You like to what? Okay, right, okay. I think you need prayer afterwards, Courtney. If you didn't hear it, every time she sneezes, she has to film herself. Okay, I don't know if that's guilty or a pleasure, but anyway. But actually, yeah, and she's going to put together a whole film of her sneezing that will last forever, I think. Anyway, but um, maybe you should just blow your nose rather than getting your phone out. But anyway, I don't know. Guilty pleasure's a funny thing, isn't it? It's those things that perhaps wouldn't be necessarily held in high esteem that we perhaps still do. So, like, you know, it might be listening to a certain pop song. You know, you might be a big Chesney Hawks fan still from the, from the 90s and 80s. You know, I am the one and only. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned that last night to you, Lisa, didn't it? It might be, anyone it might be listening to the Spice Girls. You know, anyone here a Spice Girls fan? Okay. Spice Girls, if you didn't know, if you're not in touch with the... <laughs> with the old people as opposed to the kids. Um, if you're not in touch with, with, with what's going on, the Spice Girls have just reformed, apart from one of them, uh, probably the best thing really because she didn't sing, but um, the Spice Girls have reformed and they are touring at the moment and they did their first comeback gig on Friday night. And so there's lots of people turn out for it, but apparently... There were massive problems with the sound. People couldn't hear them. I don't know if that's a problem, personally. <laughs> but actually, people complained that they didn't know what the songs were. But they did a survey of about 1,000 people, 2,000 people, sorry, one of the newspapers did a survey of what people's guilty pleasures were. And the top answer was having an extra scoop of ice cream with your, with your dessert or having an extra piece of cake, okay? That's one I struggle with sometimes, as you can see. But number 34... Number 34 on the list was hiding food that you really like somewhere in the house that nobody else can have it. Okay? Put your hands up if you struggle with that one. I'm going to confess this morning because I absolutely, and uh, since we had Giuliano Paisington in our house, okay, and recently with our foster situation, there's a certain thing that if I come home and I'm thinking I could just do with a sweet treat, I really like that Biscoff spread, okay? So the, and you can, do, you can do all sorts with it. You can get a spoon and eat it straight out of the jar. You can put it in the microwave, melt it, and pour it over fruit. You can get ice cream, melt it, and pour it over the ice cream. It is really nice. However, quite often in my house, I'll go to the cupboard, and the jar will be just in the cupboard empty, So I now have a hiding place for my Biscoff. Uh, Lindsay knows where it is, so if he goes missing, it's Lindsay that's done it. But 
And I sometimes feel bad because I think, well, it's, it's a bit selfish, that really. It's a bit selfish. But then I think, oh, but I like it and it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair if I come in and I can't have that little sweet treat that I really like. It's just not on. And actually, I've worked hard for that. I've paid for it and it's all. I even went so far as to buy Kyron his own so that he could have his own. But I discovered he was going and just eating it by the spoonful. And I'm like, right, I think we perhaps need to stop that one. But anyway, but this morning, guilt... We're going to talk about it being an enemy of the heart. Our series at the moment is things that cause our lives to spiral downwards, really. Things that cause us a problem. And guilt is an enemy of the heart. And if guilt isn't checked, it leads to shame. And shame is, is, is very difficult to get out of. Guilt leads to shame. You know, guilt says, I did something bad. Shame says, I'm a bad person. And there's a difference Guilt is a warning light. It's like on your car. If you've got a a light that comes on on your car, you don't stick tape over it and ignore it or smash the bulb. You go and take it to a garage, don't you? Yeah? Or maybe not. Maybe not. You take it. When a warning light comes on, you go and do something about it. And guilt is that thing, perhaps, that actually gives us a warning light that something's wrong. If we leave it unchecked, it leads to dire consequences and shame is very difficult to get out of. We're going to read from Psalm 32 this morning. Um, Psalm 32 is 11 verses long. So again, I've said to you before, if you struggle reading your Bible, just read the verses we've read on a Sunday and meditate on them one at a time over the week. That's the best way you can do your Bible reading in some ways if you're struggling to get into it. So Psalm 32, verses 1 to 11. We're going to read it in a few chunks. It says this. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said... I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. You forgave the guilt of my sin. I'm going to stop there a moment. You know, positive words are a bit like medicine, aren't they? Positive words are healing. And yet so often we hear the negative, and so often we speak the negative, when actually positive words will make a difference. Positive words. Here in this passage, in these first five verses, we see the same thing repeated three times in a different way. But they're all positive. First of all, it says, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. That's a positive word, isn't it? If someone says, I forgive you, it immediately lifts that burden, doesn't it? You're forgiven. That's the first thing it says in that passage. You're forgiven. Your transgressions, the things you've done wrong, are forgiven. Not to be held against you. Then it says, the covered. You know, isn't it great when it snows? I don't mean in May, although it's quite possible in Barrow. When it snows and the whole place is covered with that fresh snow, there's something precious, isn't it? And actually God covers over the tracks of your sin. He covers over the stuff we've done so that actually it'll never be seen again. Not covered and then when the snow melts, people will get to see it. Covered completely. Completely gone. Then it says whose sin the Lord does not count against them. So it's not like, you know, in, in those arguments, some of you will have had arguments with your, maybe with your parents, maybe with your children, maybe with your spouse, maybe with your boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, whatever. 
Have you had arguments? Yeah? Jeff and Naomi, any? No? No, not really. No, okay. I thought not. That's why I put it. So, so, you know, Jeff and Naomi have learnt this one already. But when you have an argument, the worst thing you can do is to drag up something else into the argument, isn't it? That's like throwing petrol on a fire. Don't do it. Because it's going to make the, the argument bigger. You know, if you're saying, did you, leave your, did you leave your washing on the floor? Did you leave your washing on the floor? And then you say, oh, that's nothing. What about that Biscoff you ate of mine the other week? <laughs> that, that isn't going to help the situation. And actually, <laughs> you know, it's not counted against you. God does not and will not bring up your past and beat you up with it. God will not use your past as a bat to hit you. God will not take it and say, hold on a second, Johnny. Hmm. But he does want us to learn from our past. He does want us to move forwards. You know, if you went into the restaurant and ate your fill, imagine you're in a restaurant. That's very easy for me. Imagine you're in a restaurant and you eat all the things on the menu and then you get the bill and you think, oh my word, I haven't got enough money in the bank. Or I'm not going to be able to pay my gas bill this week. And somebody comes in and says, don't worry, I've got it covered. That's a good thing, isn't it? I've got it covered. I'll pay it for you. I've got it covered. That is what Jesus did on the cross. He says, I've got it covered. That thing that you did, I've got it covered. I'll pay it because I've already paid it. The bill's already been settled. I've got it covered. So don't worry. You know that damage to your car? Not many insurance companies these days say, oh, we've got it covered. (laughs) Some of them do. But wouldn't it be amazing if you had that accident and someone said, we've got it covered? You don't have to worry. Don't worry about no no claims bonus. Don't worry about what's going to happen next. It's sorted. No one will know it's happened. It's been dealt with. You know, what a great promise that is, isn't it? Yeah? Yeah? Basically, if you are God's, if you have come to him once and said, God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for everything he's done for me. I thank you that my debt has been paid. Then actually, he's got it covered. He's got it covered. It's already paid. It's already paid. You don't owe anything anymore. And repetition emphasizes the fact that it's done, doesn't it? So three times it says at the beginning of this passage, I've got it covered. That thing you did, I've got it covered. That problem you've dealt with, I've got it covered. I've paid the debt. You know, if he remembers those adverts from ages ago that were, if you see Sid, tell him. Anyone remember those? Yeah, the older people in the congregation will. So, yeah, Lawrence is on his head with me. It's all right, that's good. Um, what were they for? Brit- British gas nationalization. We know that because every advert break, you saw these adverts that went, if you see Sid, tell him. And everyone's going, what? Tell him what? And every advert was, if you see Sid, tell him. If you see Sid, tell him. If you see Sid, tell him. If you... And repetition gets it across. So this morning, I want to tell you, he's got it covered. Because Jesus has paid your debt. So guilt is an enemy's tactic to drag you down. It's that whisper in your ear that says, you're not good enough. It's that whisper in your ear that says, how can you possibly be in a worship group when things have gone wrong for you? It's that thing that says, how can you be on the welcome team when maybe your past isn't great? It's that thing that says, how can you, how can you take the collection round when actually if they knew what you'd done? Your past has got it covered. He has got it covered. How do I know? Because the Bible repeats it again and again and again. And yet we still hear the words, you're not good enough. 
while we still hear the words, you'll never be good enough. It's not true. It's not true. You know, I'm getting a bit fed up of PPI. Why? Because it's there all the time being mentioned, 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 mentioned. Because they want to get their point across because they want some money. That's why. Anyway, they want to get their point across because they're saying, you're going to miss out, you're going to miss out, you're going to miss out. This morning, I don't want any of us in here or out there to miss out on the grace of Jesus. Because he says to you in here and everybody out there, I've got it covered. I've got it covered. The debt isn't yours anymore. Verses 3 to 4 then bring us the opposite, don't they? When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. That doesn't sound good, does it? Doesn't sound a good place to be. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy on me. Yeah, if I said this morning, who's feeling quite weary of carrying burdens? I bet a few of us would put our hands up. I bet a few of us would say, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm finding things tough. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. God will give us warning signs to say, fix it. Just like your car will light up to say you've got a problem, you need to go to the garage and put it right then God will nudge our consciences and say, do you know what? You can't keep doing that. Yes, I've got it covered. Yes, I've forgiven. But you can't keep doing that because it's going to cause a breakdown in you. It's going to cause a breakdown in you. If you keep ignoring that warning light, something's going to go wrong that's far bigger than a warning light. That's not a God that's being condemnatory. That's a God that loves you. It's a God that cares about you. It's a God that wants to see you in the best possible situation. And he says, when that warning light comes on of guilt, when you're feeling something and you're prompted, deal with the problem. Go to the root. Sort it out. Because otherwise you'll end up in shame and that's a difficult place to get out from. You know, once a car has had so many problems, it ends up in the garage and keeps going in the garage, what do you do with it? You sell it, you get rid of it. It's not only good for scrap. We don't want our lives to end up in a place where actually we're so broken and hurt, we don't keep coming back to God. He gives us warning lights that say, sort out, confess your sins. When I stayed silent, that's where the problem starts. When I kept silent about the issue, when I didn't speak up, when I didn't say to God, look, God, I'm dealing with this problem, it's massive. That's when the problem starts. That's when we see this situation of my bones were heavy. I was sapped like the summer heat. It's not a good place to be, is it? Yet we keep going back to it. And we keep going back to it. There's a verse in the Bible that talks about like a dog going back to its own vomit. Barry reminds me of that one quite regularly. I don't know whether it's because he sees the dogs having a vomit and eating it. I don't know. But anyway, let's move on. Um, (laughs) But guilt is a warning light. And God says, I've got it covered. I've got it covered. But don't keep coming back to the same place. Don't keep going back to that problem because, do you know, the warning light will come on again. The problem won't be solved and actually it'll just get worse. So when we feel that guilt, guilt says you did a bad thing. That's not a bad thing to feel sometimes because it makes us aware we've got a problem. But it doesn't condemn and say you're a bad person. That's what shame does. That's the enemy's tactic. He wants us to feel shame. 
So shame, lift the burden before it gets even heavier, yeah? Don't pile more rocks into your rucksack. Don't pile more problems on your back than you can carry because he says, I'll take it off you and I'll carry it for you. You know, do you know anybody in this room who shouldn't be lifting heavy items? Anyone? Anyone in this room who shouldn't be lifting heavy items? You know, people who, yeah, yeah. Doreen, you shouldn't be lifting heavy items, should you? We know that, no. But do you lift heavy items, Doreen? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes, yeah. And we might say to them, you shouldn't be doing that, yeah? Somebody might say to you, you shouldn't be lifting that. You, you know you've been told you shouldn't be lifting that. We know, why do we remind them of that thing? Why do we say to them you shouldn't be lifting it? Because it might hurt them. Because you're concerned for them. Because actually we care about them, yeah? We love them. So when God pricks our conscience and says, do you know what, Johnny, that's not good. It's not because he's a God that says, I'm watching you. I've got my eyes on you. You're a naughty boy. It's because our God loves us. And our God is concerned for us. It says he doesn't want any to perish in the Bible. That is a God who loves you and loves me. And all we need to do is be willing to walk into his arms and to keep staying there. Because perfect love casts out fear. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love conquers all. And that's what we need this morning. We know it's good to remind people because we need to let someone else carry those heavy things, Doreen, don't you? Yeah? That's what God's saying. He's saying, let me carry that burden. Let me carry that weight. Because I've already carried it all the way to the cross. All the way to Calvary. And it's covered it all. I've got it covered. Got it covered. I think it's amazing when uh, Paul chooses the songs and he doesn't necessarily know what I'm going to speak about. And actually, we've sung Calvary covers it all this morning. Because he's got it covered. God is repeating himself through the worship and the word. And he's saying, I've got it covered. Are you getting that message? Yeah? I think I've said it enough now. You're going to get fed up with PPI and me. Anyway, guilt makes us feel like we're wasting away. When we feel guilty constantly, it feels like we're wasting away. So what does this verse tell us we need to do? Verse 5 says, then I acknowledge my sin to you. And I didn't cover up my iniquity. I didn't cover it myself. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. So what's the solution to guilt? Confess it to God. Say to God, I'm sorry. Say, I know this is a problem. He literally will come and take it off your back and nail it to the cross. It says so. He forgives the guilt of your sin. Not just the sin. He forgives the guilt and takes it away. So that we're not heavy and sapped. Carrying on, verse 6 and 7 say this, Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. There's a memory verse for us, isn't it? You are my hiding place. You will protect me and sing songs of deliverance over me. Wow. That's great, isn't it? Yeah? Yeah? It's interesting though in verse 6, what does it say? Which sort of people are crying out to God because they're guilty? Just out of interest. Sinners do, but actually in this verse, verse 6 says, all the faithful. It says all the faithful. So do you know in this church, if you're a Christian this morning, you are all the faithful. And it is quite possible that many of us who know Jesus will still feel some guilt. 
will still deal with issues. In fact, actually, I would challenge anyone in this room to stand up and say you have no issue you're dealing with. I would challenge anyone in this room, including myself, to stand up here and say, I've got it all sorted. I haven't. He's got it covered. I've not got it sorted. And I will not be perfect until I'm with him. But actually, if I keep a close relationship with him and bring my sin to him, he will forgive it. He will take it away. And it says that when we cry out to him, he will rescue us. He will lift us above the riding tide waters, the rising tide waters, that's right. You know, isn't it encouraging to know this morning that if you're a Christian and you get it wrong, God isn't there saying, zap. He's saying, come back. The warning light's on. Come back to the mechanic, the one who made you, who knows how to make it work again. That's what God says. He doesn't say, you're a naughty boy. But he does say, you've got it wrong. We all have the potential to do that. Come to me, and I'll lift the burden, and I'll lift you up. That's what he says. And that's why things we do that go against God's best. You know, it says guilty pleasures I started with. Sorry, I've skipped my notes. Guilty pleasures implies there's something good, doesn't it? Yeah? A pleasure is something that's good, pleasurable. Something that's pleasurable is something that's enjoyable. So we often say, oh, you know, we're full of sin or this and other. But actually, some of those things look good on the surface. You know, Biscoff is great. I can't can't promote it enough. I hope they'll uh, help me to sponsor them. Maybe Ryan Cloud will make another advert like he did with the Lindor ones. I don't know. But Biscoff is good. But it's not good in massive doses, and it's not really good for my figure. It's not good for my wardrobe. But a guilty pleasure tells you it's pleasurable. And that is why the things that we do that go against God's best sometimes still seem good. Yeah? But actually, once you've done them, that's when the warning light comes on. Because the enemy says, go on, you'll be okay. Nobody will know. And when we go against God's best for us, it's difficult not to give in to it. And guilt then leads to shame, and shame keeps us silent. When we're shameful and silent, our bones cry out, where our strength is sapped. Verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. You know, it's not Big Brother is watching you, this. This is not God's got his beady eye on you, and he's going to make sure you're not. His loving eye. Why? Because he cares for you. He loves you. He doesn't want you to end up back in that pit. He doesn't want you to slip, fall, and break your life. He wants you to be the best because he loves you and he cares for you. This is not an image of God as an angry or controlling tyrant or a boss that's displeased. This is an image of God as Father who loves unconditionally counseling you, instructing you, teaching you. Again, we see that repetition, don't we? He wants to help us learn. And we can learn from the very best because he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. He that is in us is greater. Verse 9 goes on to say, Do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. I've learned a few things about donkeys this week. Yeah, I think donkeys get a bad rap. There's a saying, isn't there? Stubborn as a mule. Yeah, anyone ever been described as stubborn as a mule? Oh, okay, Lisa over there is willing to admit. Jake, there's a surprise. No, I was going to say no. 
Stubborn as a mule. Stubborn as a mule. But actually, that isn't true. You go and look on the Donkey Sanctuary website. They'll tell you all about it. But a donkey will not go somewhere when it doesn't trust the person that's leading it. But once the donkey trusts the person, it's willing to go anywhere. It just initially, it has a very heightened sense of fear. It has a very heightened sense of when things are going to go wrong. And so actually, initially, a donkey will stand its ground and actually not be willingly led until it starts to trust the master. Don't be like a donkey in the first place. Can we trust God? He's the master. If we can trust the master, then we don't need to be stubborn about it. We don't need to say, if I get rid of this old way of life, if I put that to one side, actually, will it be better? Will it be not as good? Will I have the same friends? doesn't matter because God is the master. You can trust him. And he says you're the best. You want you the best for you. Donkeys are not willing to put themselves in a place of danger. But when they get to know their master, they will trust him. And they will follow where he leads. I believe that's where we need to be this morning. Maybe we're still a little unsure of the master, but we can trust him. He surrounds us with songs of deliverance. He lifts us above the rising floodwaters. The psalm finishes like this. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Again, we've sung about his unfailing love this morning. His love is unfailing. That means it doesn't break. It doesn't break down. It doesn't stop. It is not limited. It is not impossible. It's, it's impossible to run out. It is unfailing. And yet we put our trust in stuff that will break and snap. In fact, I read a tweet just this morning from Mike Pilavacci. I'll just get it right. A reporter asked an old couple, how did you manage to stay together for 65 years? They replied, we were born in a time when if something was broken, we would fix it and not throw it away. We live in a society where we just want that quick fix. And actually, God is saying our lives can be broken. And he can help us to mend it. So don't throw it away by keep going back for the same things and then feeling guilty and then feeling shameful and then keeping quiet. Verse 10 says we are surrounded by his unfailing love when we trust him. I recently bought a hammock. Don't ask me why. Midlife crisis, okay? Somebody mentioned it. I thought, oh, I've always fancied a go in a hammock. So I bought a stand off eBay. Really good. It was only about 40 quid. Really good. And then I bought the hammock material thing off Amazon. And then I put it up. Do you know, it only takes five minutes to build. Then you can dismantle it, put it in a bag and take it with you. Ros was like, we were going away this weekend. She's like, you're not taking that hammock with you, are you? I'm like, no, I didn't. I wish I did, but all of the rain's not so good. But the hammock is amazing. Have you ever, who's ever been in a hammock? Yeah, it's great. The hard part is getting in. Well, and then getting out, actually. But once you're in, it's amazing. When I've been in that hammock, I have felt supported. I have been lifted above the concrete that I would perhaps lie on. No, I wouldn't. Do you know the other thing is I've been enveloped like a cocoon. I was pretending to be a butterfly. That's how sad I am. Okay. And I was wrapping it around me, shutting everything off from me, sleeping in my cocoon. I've spent more time in that garden that afternoon than I've done probably in the whole of my life. And I was wrapped up in my cocoon, occasionally going, I'm a butterfly, by the way, no. <laughs> wrapped up in this cocoon, and it was just amazing. Amazing, because I was supported. I was surrounded. 
It was also good because people forgot you were there and started talking. You could listen into all the conversations. It was great. I was hidden. I was enveloped. I was loved by my hammock. Literally wrapped itself around me. I was loved by my hammock. Do you know, this morning we can rest in the hammock of his love and his forgiveness. Because his love will envelop you. His love will lift you up. His love will comfort and keep you warm. His love will enable you to rest. It will keep us off the floor, and it also kept the dogs out. That's a good thing, isn't it? Pixie did try and get in there, didn't she? But hey, it kept the dogs out. It kept the things out that I didn't want anything to do with. (laughs) And actually, I felt supported. You know, there's a verse in 1 John 1 verse 9. And in the New Living Translation, it says this, If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So to finish, how do we deal with guilt? If you're sitting here this morning and there is something pricking your conscience, if there is something on your mind that you know God is asking you to deal with, how do we deal with it? What do we do? Three steps. First one. Confess it to God. Bring it to God, because he knows anyway already. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. He already knows what you've done, but he doesn't hold it against you. He already knows. Confess it to God, step one. Step two, confess it to somebody else that you trust. Be accountable. Bring it to somebody who you trust, who is also able to stand alongside you. Christ is enough. But also, it's good to have friends alongside. So step one, bring it to God who already knows. Step two, bring it to a friend that you know you can trust, who will keep you accountable. And step three, this is the hardest. Maybe confess it to the person we've hurt, if that's the situation. If we feel guilty about something we've done to hurt somebody, just be honest and say, I'm really sorry. That's the hardest step. But I believe after you do one and two, step three does become easier. Because Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, yeah? Bring it to God. Be accountable. And confess to somebody else. You know, you're you're less likely to be a repeat offender if every time you follow those steps. Because every time you're going to have to go to somebody else and say, I'm really sorry. If you hold yourself to those things, maybe it'll help you escape the trap of shame. Maybe it'll take away the guilt of sin because you're bringing it to him. So as I finish, do you experience the warning signs of guilt? Maybe this morning there's something on your mind and in your heart that you just can't shake. God says, bring it to me because I can nail it to the cross. I can nail it to the cross. Jesus died so we could be forgiven so we could be washed clean, so that we could be cleansed, not just for that one day, but for all eternity. The question is, are we willing to take step one and bring it first to him and say, God, you're faithful and just. If I confess my sin, you forgive it, and it's gone. Why? Because he's got it covered. Because he's got it covered. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we deal with a subject where actually so often many of us 
will keep silent. Many of us will keep quiet because of shame. Even because of the first warning signs of guilt, we'll keep it to ourselves because we're so worried or we're so embarrassed. But Father God, in the same way that we say to somebody, don't lift that object, God, you say, come back to me and stay with me. Stop going back to those old ways. And then you won't feel that guilt. And I can take away the guilt of your sin. So, Father God, this morning we ask that your spirit moves amongst us, that your spirit falls afresh on us, and that actually we, we are desiring to say, I want rid of that past for good. So, Father God, this morning I pray for anyone who is feeling stirred at this moment, who's feeling ashamed. I pray, Lord, that they will know they can stand confident in a God that is faithful and trustworthy. So I pray in this place this morning that we will see healing from sin. We will see salvation from sin. We will see people who are limping and lame be restored because their sins are forgiven. Yeah, Jesus, just as I'm praying, I'm reminded of that passage where the man was brought on the mat. And the first thing Jesus said was, your sins are forgiven. He didn't deal with the obvious problem. He didn't deal with the limp, the lame, the the fact that he couldn't walk. But he dealt with the thing that was going to set him free. Father God, in this place, I ask that you bring freedom from guilt and shame. In your name, amen.